Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am thrilled that you are here and I'm excited to share another episode with Hugh Vale, who I had some questions as far as some things that I was receiving and he was one of the more knowledgeable people that I know when it comes to scriptures. And so I wanted to have this conversation with him and really dissect what the real meaning is as it was coming in for me. So I'm excited to share this episode with you and just reminding you again of that amazing experience that I am co-creating with three other unbelievable women down in Springdale, Utah, September 22nd through the 25th. And this is an in-body experience to really fully embody all that you are because this is part of, this is why we're here to really own these pieces of us to understand more and more what we're capable of to learn our gifts to embody those gifts to embody all those parts of us that we think we should hide and shame and instead the question is and naturally this actually comes up in the podcast today with you that we are here to become more and more Christed and coming to our Christ itself, which means we get to embody all parts of us. So if this is ringing true to you, go secure your spot, head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash inbody. That's I-N-B-O-D-Y. And again, that website is amandajoyloveland.com inbody forward slash inbody, I-N-B-O-D-Y. Now let's dive in. So Hugh and I, I had pushed record, but we were chatting and we just continued having a conversation. So there's really not an introduction here. So you are just going to join us as we just pick up having a natural conversation. So let's dive into this conversation with Hugh Vale. I was listening to, maybe it was Create the Love, Mark Groves. Mm-hmm. It was somebody like that, someone I really like the vast majority of their thoughts. And he was talking about how difficult it is to put his stuff out on social media platforms. And he said, because there's things that will change and I'll go back. And he's like, how I made peace with that is I feel like I'm just learning out loud. Yeah. And I feel like that's what my TikTok is going to be is just, yeah, this is what I'm learning out loud. I don't think it's what Moses wrote on stone tablets. It's not what I'm writing on stone tablets, but it is, it is the, it's the wrestle that I'm in right now. And these are the thoughts that I'm having about it. And this is what makes most sense to me. And I'll probably edit it in a couple of years and be like, Oh, silly Hugh. Right. And and be like, this is what I was really trying to get to. Well, but I feel like any thought leader, any, anybody that's constantly seeking I know that I've heard from many, many people that they had that same thing. Like, yeah, I believe this a year ago, but now I believe this today, but it's okay that that's where I was a year ago because it does show, it almost gives all of us permission just to be where we're at at the yeah. time. Yeah. I think there's beauty in that. Yeah, Totally. You know, cause we don't um, have to be perfect. This idea of perfection. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's Matthew five forty eight. It's mm-hmm. it's my most favorite ancient scripture to to share because it says be ye therefore perfect, but yeah. it's not it's not an accurate translation for today's English. I think it was an accurate translation in the 1600s, but in today's translation, a better, m- more accurate interpretation of it is be ye therefore whole mm-hmm. and and embodied. Now we're going to add that part. 
yeah, that's what wholeness is, right? Mm-hmm. Wholeness is like, it's intact. It's all there. Yeah. And, and if it's there, then I'm, in, then I'm embodying it, right? Or I'm trying to get to an embodiment. And, and that's a lot of people call me because I do, you know, I do coaching calls and mostly my coaching calls. I'm not a, I wouldn't say it's life coaching or anything. It's more like, what's the thing you're suffering with right now? And you're struggling to find peace about it. And, and so I just help people like change the story or look at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're not at peace with what's manifesting in their life. And they're like, I'm doing the yoga, I'm doing the breath work. I'm, I'm doing my meditations and I'm going, yeah, but what's manifesting is what you're embodying and what mm-hmm. you're, what you're doing yoga for, or your meditations for is what you want, but what you want is not what you've embodied. And so manifestation only happens from embodiment, not from desire. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, and so it's like, well, now what is it that you really want? Let's go embody that and and look at what do we need to change in the way that we think, act and believe, because then it'll hit the cellular level. And then you won't even think about going and getting it. It will just show up to you because that's the idea of manifestation, right? Right. But manifestation comes from embodiment. It's embodiment is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because especially in my practice, right? NLP with the subconscious mind, if you're not, if your outer world is constantly showing you this thing, it's a belief that you're holding internally. So shift that reprogram that and then start to your point. That's the embodiment. But that reminds me, I just had a conversation with a woman who was sharing about her life. It was someone that I just met and she was like, I was doing all the things within my religion. I was praying. I was doing the family home, you know, all the things that we're told we will do. And if we do that, then we'll be blessed. And I feel like as you're sharing this, I'd be curious if the person you were talking to or people come from a Mormon background. Because that's what we're, we're so ingrained or we were so ingrained that if you do these things, then you'll receive blessings. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily true because shit happens. And if you're holding that internal belief or you're not embodying it to what you were saying and integrating those pieces, then you're not going to get what you're actually wanting. So it's interesting just to see some of the programming that continues playing out over and over again. Yeah, I I would say it's anyone that's coming from an organized religion that teaches the checklist way of getting blessings. Yeah, like I've got one guy that's uh, he's a practicing Jew. Um, I've got uh, a lot of people, of course, are local to Utah, so the odds of being Latter Day Saint is really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's there's also just general Western Christianity. And all of them share that same, if I do this, then I get that. And that checklist uh, way of thinking and acting and believing is going to get me what I want. And that's meritocracy. It's all based in merits. Mm -hmm. And embodiment's not based in merits. Embodiment's based in, well, the way I break embodiment down is emotions body so there's the systems in the body like the endocrine system Mm -hmm. the nervous system um the digestive system so you've got emotions and then your bodily systems and then your mind that's meant 
is is mind, which is your prefrontal cortex. It's how you tell the story. So if you can get your emotions and your thoughts, the story that you're telling, and your body to respond to all of that, that's, well, Joe Dispenza talks about that. That's how you get embodiment. That's how mm-hmm. you manifest things is aligning the thoughts, the feelings, and the emotions all into that one particular aim. But that's really how you think, act, and believe. It, it just is who you are. You're not trying to think a new thought. You're not trying to act in a new way. You, you've already got it at the cellular level, and, and that's embodiment. Mm-hmm. And we're embodying our programs is the challenge. That's the challenge. So it's like, well, that's why things are repeating or that's why things are showing up the way that they're showing up. So let's look at the program. Mm -hmm. I got a client that uh, called me this morning. Our appointment's not for another 10 days. And she called me and she's, I I give everyone like an emergency call (laughs) if they've got something they're struggling with. So she, she, you know, dialed the bat line this morning and was like, (laughs) she's like, okay, this is my emergency call. I'm like, okay. And it was beautiful. What she said, she said, I went down to Tuacon theater and I watched uh, Joseph in the coat of many colors. And she said, I felt like there was some LGBT um, innuendos that were in there. And she said, some of my best friends are like same, same sex attraction. She said, but I found that I was getting upset at the innuendos that were in there for the LGBT community. And she goes, then I was getting upset at myself for being upset at that. that, And I felt like they were sneaking it in and they shouldn't have been sneaking it in. And she's just like, I don't have any peace about this whole thing. And I, I, I love the LGBT community. I just need to, this is something that showed up that I need to make peace with. And so I was like, Oh, well, all we got to do is look at the programming, right? All that's showing up is old programming, that new programming, new thoughts, new ways of acting and believing haven't quite fully been embodied, even though she's embodying those new ways in love and acceptance more and more every day. But that old programming is showing up and causing inner conflict with her. And it's like, okay, well, let's, let's deprogram what was there and that's we don't got to dive into that hole but that's that's actually a pretty easy thing for christians or not even christians it could be just any organized religion that says gays are not loved that's that's paul's teachings and and the word for homosexuality in the new testament the greek version it's not even a Greek word. He took two words and he combined them into his own word, which is called a neologism. Neo meaning new, logos meaning a word. And we should do that. I, I'm a huge fan of, of creating new words, but he created a new word. And so it's really hard to translate what is he actually saying because it's his own word. Right. But, but when you piece it together... Um, what it's saying is like an older man should not have sex with a young underaged boy. Mm-hmm. And this only shows up twice. This word only shows up twice in all of the scriptures. And it's not saying same sex consenting adult attraction. It's saying 
same sex should not sleep with young children. And I think all of us, uh, I think, I think that's appropriate. I think we should not do that. Um, well, that's, that's actually a problem in Iran and Pakistan. And that, I mean, my husband was talking to me about this when he was deployed in the military, it was really challenging to see all these men that would have their little boy prostitutes. Like that is a legit issue that still goes on today. Totally. And so is it possible that that was what was alive back then? And that's what he was speaking to was, a grown man is not supposed yeah. to lay with a child, period. Yep. And he was speaking to that because it did exist and it, ex- it was very prominent as well. Like their culture challenges um, are no different than what we're seeing today. They were experiencing back then. Yeah. And, yeah. And so she's like, oh, well, I had been taught or, you know, to believe that that God just hates gays and mm. like, well, of course you were taught that and you're a good student. So that all makes sense. But, but let's just go back to class for five minutes, look at what the the details are behind this. And then just realize that that interpretation got that drifted, that, mm-hmm. that drifted pretty far off course. And she's like, Oh, this is amazing. So yeah you know, you just provide some of those details and it's pretty easy to deprogram things that, uh, programs that separate and divide us are definitely programs that need to be undone. Well, and I love that you touched on this piece of the things that we, we were taught because in my right now, in my experience and things that continue to show up for me, is it likely that even Joseph Smith, the way that we were taught of who he was is inaccurate. And I believe that's very true. Same thing with Jesus and some of these different, different parts. And we can look at the motivation for why that's the case. And we can dive into that, but I I love it when we, and when we have clients that come in that are willing to ask the question, and are willing to actually be curious as to why this is showing up because that curiosity piece and the question is, is, is what will continue assisting us in growing. And so the, the programs, and I just spoke to this before we started hitting record, I actually am getting to a point in my life where I love seeing it's so fascinating. The programs that we're holding on to like, wow, you know, tithing popped up for me the other day of the idea of giving part of who I am and all the things that to others without any kind of reciprocation really, or thinking I'll be blessed was showing up in the weirdest place for me, or even the idea of like, you know what? I was telling a friend of mine, I'm kind of done. Like, I want to go find my community and like, go build a commune. You and I have talked about this, right? (laughs) Go build our own like society somewhere. And and she's like, well, the pioneers did that. And I'm like, holy shit. I didn't even think about that. And they went and built their own community because what, and so it was just really interesting. Some of those pieces that come into that. There's a lot of beauty in some of them, Mm -hmm. but when we get to ask that question and be curious. And this is what kind of led to me reaching out to you. And now we're recording is as I've been receiving, I'm channeling a new book and it's, it's interesting, the information that's coming in. And I didn't share this part with you, but after I channeled some information, I kept hearing the scripture over and over and over again, for God so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, spirit, I hear you. Why, why are you, con- why are you continuing to share this with me. And it's like, I know that this, there's some translations in here that are not hundred percent accurate. And so that's where I'm like, I need to reach out to you because you are just, the, you're just amazing when it comes to this. 
And then thank you for saying yes to actually recording this so that we can, you know, these are fun and maybe we yeah. will do, do more thoughts with you as far as, you know, having you on more and more, but I would love to get your thoughts on, on that scripture, as far as what, you know, with the translations and if it was what the more correct translation is of that scripture. Yeah. So it's a pretty straightforward scripture, uh, in terms of the translation, there's one thing that, um, is really interesting that I think, uh, lends it what I'm always trying to do, and it doesn't always work. And I'm not saying that it should work. This is just what I'm always trying to do is that these ancient stories have survived. I think they've survived for good reason. I think they've survived predominantly because of organized religions. Um, and I think that organized religions have a place uh, within society and that we should not get rid of them. I think we should just place them. In, this is what I've done is this is how I've made peace with it. I think the religions where I'm very appreciative of their existence is that they are the keepers of the records. Mm-hmm. And for me, we don't have these records. And I think they're very important to have if, if we don't have the religions. Now, where the religions uh, get a little wonky for me is how they interpret those ancient stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, we can go back to the way that they're originally written. And this, this gets... Um, challenging for some people it's for some reason it's not challenging to me i actually really love it and that is looking at who wrote the original writings so the scripture you're referring to is in the book of john it's john 3:16 very very popular scripture that's that's used in in Christ, like christianity all over what the scripture is implying is that um there's a heavenly father who uh, sends his most favored son because his other children are not that great. And he's got he's to sacrifice his most favored one so that the other ones that aren't as great can now be enough. And, and, and that all get that whole idea gets summarized into you know what's known as the atonement. Well, here's what's interesting: the four gospels, John being one of the four gospels, was not written by John. It was anonymously written. We don't know who wrote it. We don't know how John's name got associated with it. And John and the other gospels he's kind of an outlier. So when you plug in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into a computer system, and you say, how much is this overlaps? Like how many stories is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all sharing that are the same story? And some of the, some of the gospels, there's a really high, uh, I believe it was the book of Mark. It's either Mark or Matthew there's only 7% difference. So, so that writer is only writing 7% of what was written is unique. John, on the other hand, 
he only shows up 10% of the time. 10% of what's written in John shows up in other in other gospels. 90% of what John writes doesn't show up anywhere else. Hmm. Which is really which is really interesting because if Jesus is telling everyone uh, all the things, well, and these are the things that are most important to John, um it's interesting that those things don't show up in in other gospels or in yeah. other letters from Paul. So, you know, a lot of people, we don't really think about that. We don't see that data until we plug it into a computer. One of the things that John is saying is in 316 is it's like supporting this idea of, of an atonement. And when you break it down, what what's being said is pretty straightforward in the Greek, except for the word uh, eternal life. So at the very end, it says, you know, it says, um, and whoever shall believe on him, meaning Jesus shall have eternal life, but eternal life can, that word can actually be translated into for whoever believes on him will develop the character that will be long sustaining in his life. Mm -hmm. And that all of a sudden implies that when we step into our Christ consciousness, then, um, and we follow the, I think Jesus is the poster child for Christ consciousness. And what that means is that Christ is not Jesus's last name, mm -hmm. right? If you wanted to say this person is anointed and you spoke Greek, you would say this person is a Christ. And if you didn't speak Greek, but you wanted to say this person is anointed and you spoke Hebrew, you would say this person is a Messiah. And they're saying the exact same things, just in two different, two different languages. And so I think Christ is the person who, or sorry, I think Jesus is the person who embodies what it means to be a Christ. And I think that's uh, available to every human. I think anything that Jesus said about himself is true about every person on the planet. Mm -hmm. If they want it to be true for them. Right. I, I agree. Yeah. And so whenever we see things that are being said about Jesus or said from Jesus, that does not apply to every other person. It's not true for every other person. I struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I start thinking, well, there's probably another way of looking at what's trying to be said. Like I have a really close friend and um, we've been friends since seventh grade. So I'll call him and I'll say, I'm working on a new thought. Try to hear what I'm trying to say, not what I'm actually going to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I don't have the words yet to articulate uh, or, or define it. And I think sometimes that's true in the scriptures yeah. um, and these ancient stories. So I think what ha what's happening um, when you break it down, here's another thing. Sometimes the word God, so God so loved the world, that word can be Elohim, mm -hmm. which means like your actual heavenly parents, or that word can be like just a general, like a deity. Like it's just, it's just, it's God, not meaning not my heavenly father. It's just a God. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's an, that's an interesting thing. It's, it's almost like it could, it could be translated or maybe ought to be interpreted as the gods have uh, created a plan and we're all part of that plan. So therefore, and we're also gods. This is Psalms mm-hmm. chapter Psalms 82 verse six is something that Jesus quoted to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes who were calling him blas like he was a blasphemer. Right. And if you were, they had laws that if you blaspheme God, you could get killed for that. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is saying, I'm a God. And they're like, what? So clearly it's, it's, it's like, he's a normal person. He's just stepping into his inner Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you step into your inner Christ, you have to start remembering and becoming aware of certain truths. And so Jesus is like, why is this so difficult for you guys? This is in the book of Matthew. He says, why is this so difficult for you? Is it not in the scriptures that you believe and you read in? And then he quotes Psalms 82 verse six, which says, ye are all gods. And so he's just saying, look, it's, it's in the ancient writings from, from that you guys are actually reading and that you believe in, that it's saying you are gods too. And so he's just saying, I'm just stepping into my inner Christ and, and therefore I'm remembering who I really am and what this whole human experience is about. And, and so maybe the translation is that, that, the gods loved loved us all so much that anyone could be sent down and could step into their inner Christ and become the the great example of what's available for all of us. Mm-hmm. And if you'll follow that path, then you'll d- obtain the character that will live on with you throughout your life, and you won't perish. And and it's like, well, that to me makes a lot more sense. It's yeah. kind of deep and you kind of got to dive into a, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of context around it. No, I love all that. For me, it's popping some of the things that I was shown and I was seeing, which I'm like, oh, I'm hesitant to share this. So I might not, but um, the words that stuck out to me were the only begotten, begotten and son, S-U-N or S-O-N, because yeah. the, the idea that we know we radiate energy. We know we have a unique signature that has a frequency and an energetic blueprint to it. And, um, through a podcast that you actually shared with me, Hugh, that was talking about the Essenes who I believe Jesus was an Essene talked about how that energy comes down and from our hands and is reflected to fuel the sun. And it's interesting. Then when you start diving into that a little bit, or that thought that here is someone who let's say, let's say that, yeah, maybe we created this plan as far as this earth and what we were wanting to choose to experience, but we got so consumed in consumption of everything Mm -hmm. that is outside of us to fuel us that we missed the point of everything starts within and then radiates out. And because we were so addicted and asleep to the consumption that then here, you know, I'm going to send down this being to yep. amplify, to learn how to become Christed, to amplify the sun yep. energy, 
to raise his frequency, to be able to then connect actually to other frequencies and start to alchemize and um, then move through his initiations, if you will, into becoming more and more light to ultimately have a light body, to have resurrection and, and, and perform those pieces to then show us this. Can you do? And then some, what's, I don't know what scripture that is. You you're able, do you know what scripture that is? Um, yeah, like greater miracles you have seen me do and you'll, you'll do those greater miracles. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't remember the exact chapter and verse. I'll find it, but I think of that often and it mm-hmm. is fascinating. Like to what you're, what you're quoting with him, Jesus quoting Psalms, you, you know, in the scriptures, it says you are God. So why yeah. is it that you're now chastising me for saying that I am a God? It is in these scriptures. And it's the same thing with that one. How is it that we yeah. have forgotten that Jesus said, this can you do? And then some, it wasn't here to be a martyr of the world. And you asked me that question via text when we were talking about this. Do I believe that Jesus died for our sins? No, I do not. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. dives into an interesting topic that if you're open, I'd love to chat about. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I would love to chat about that. And it reminded me, I was in a, I was in 2018, I was in an ayahuasca ceremony and my intention of going into the ceremony was, and you have to understand going into ayahuasca, um, I had never done any drugs ever in my life really, or, or, or anything. So I had a friend who is a brilliant quantum physicist and I had been fasting. That's a, that's a, a method of trying to embody, get so clear on my intention and then embody a new way of thinking, acting, and believing that I was fasting pretty consistently to understand how I could have such clarity on, on great spiritual things as what my friend had. Mm. And I went up to go, went up North to go pick up this massive load of hay. And I've got like 150 bales of hay on this big flatbed trailer. And I'm driving 65 on I-15. And all of a sudden it just dawns on me out of nowhere. I heard this feeling that said, um, he did a plant sacrament. And I'd never heard the word plant sacrament, like the term um, put together like that. The next morning, uh, we we happen to be at a breakfast, um, with a couple of people and the gal that we were at a breakfast with, she asked him, she says, how do you, this like just flows off of your, like off of you. And, and you're so brilliant. How did you get to learn all this stuff? And he said, and you have to understand, I had known him for like almost a year at this point. And he said, oh, eight years ago, I did a plant sacrament. So for (laughs) one year, I had never heard him talk about anything. I just thought he was a smart, brilliant guy. And um, all of a sudden at this breakfast happens to be within 12 hours of me getting this, this clarity while I'm on the freeway. So we had carpooled to this meeting. The breakfast is over. We jump in his car and I like can't even put the seatbelt on before I'm like, what the hell is a plant sacrament? And he explains it to me and he says, you know, it's, it's take these, uh, 
entheogens from a shaman and do it as if it's a religious ritual sacrament for what your intention is. Yeah. And and that's how I've always participated mm. in ceremonies. I treat it as a sacrament. And and uh so anyways, he's he's like that's super cool that you got that. This leads me to going and doing ayahuasca. I had never done anything. I didn't even know what ayahuasca was. Two days later, a friend of mine calls me up and he says, Hey, I'm playing music in this ceremony. I feel really called to share you. We have one spot open. Mm -hmm. I took the spot. It happened to be for the plant sacrament, ayahuasca. And I went into it not knowing what the heck was, you know, and it was like three months out from, from that phone call. While I'm in the ceremony, my intention is, and I take this cup of ayahuasca as if the sacrament's being passed to me. That's, and, and I had specifically spoken to the shaman who was uh, facilitating it. And I said, this would mean a lot to me. Would you like symbolically do it, like give me it in this way? So she like passes me this sacrament after we prayed over it. And my intention was to know who I am. Yeah. I sit down in, they, we call them little, they call them a nest, right? So you got your little like yoga mat and, and your, your wubby and, and your puke bucket. <laughs> and then my puke bucket. <laughs> I did purge. I did it three times, uh, purged Ugh. violently each time. Uh, but you know, it's only like a couple of minutes that you do that. And then the rest is, was amazing for me. I'm sitting there, the medicine hits me. And, uh, and I don't know any of these sensations. I have no, I have nothing to contextualize this with. So I'm not really panicking. I'm just kind of like, I don't know what's happening. And I look across the, the room and the whole room is lit with natural light. So there's candles everywhere and there's no, uh, th th there's no other type of light other than just light from a flame and the flame says to me from across the room just like one person talking to another person face to face this flame, it's like beauty and the beast where the candlestick talks and <laughs> it is alive and the flame is talking to me not the wax you know not the candle holder but the flame itself and it says to me you are the light of the world mm. and it was so true to me that i had to think for a little bit about what the shaman had said to me is you you may learn things that feel so true that that you just feel like everything is complete ask questions always ask more questions if something shows up and it feels really scary ask questions and the thing i experienced was that they were so profound and powerful it was hard to ask questions so i sat with it for a few minutes and then i said oh i've got to ask questions about this because it just felt so true why would i even asking felt like doubting and and there was just nothing to doubt and so i said i thought jesus was the light of the world and the flame says back to me he is the light of the world so i sat with that for a second it was also true so i sat with that and so then i thought well what's the best question i could come up with and the best question i could come up with under the medicine in pure love and intention it didn't feel egotistical at all i said so am i jesus and <laughs> the flame said back it like giggled and laughed like mm. oh it was like little cute cute like 
<laughs> they like, do that sometimes. They laugh at us. It's like, what the hell? This isn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like a little five-year-old, like little five-year-old Hugh was like asking the question. I said, so am I Jesus? And the flame laughed and said, no, you're Hugh. And Jesus is Jesus. And I said, but if he's the light of the world and I'm the light of the world, and then a beam of light shot across the room to my heart and a beam of light shot up through the ceiling and it felt like it was going to Jesus. And then a beam of light shot to 12 other people that were in the room. I was the 13th person in the room and it shot to all 12 people. And it said, everyone is the light of the world. And had I not asked those questions, I might've let my ego run with it. You know, when I came out of the medicine a few weeks later or something like that. And I said, if everyone's the light of the world, like what more could I understand about this? And there's that scripture in Matthew that says, um, a, a, a candlestick that's lit and put up on a hill cannot be hid under a bush. The scripture right before it, the candle flame quotes, and it's Jesus, and he's quoting Jesus. And, and what Jesus says is he says, you are the light of the world. And a candle flame that's lit up on a hill can't be hid. So he's like saying, don't, like, you're the light of the world, so don't hide your light. Yeah. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, I had this program that somehow got in that wasn't fully accurate, that only Jesus is the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's true. Like, I'm fully convinced now that, that Jesus was right, that I am the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Everyone listening to this is the light of the world. And mm-hmm. the question is, do you want to step into that light? And yeah. stepping into yeah. the light, I think, is stepping into your, your inner, inner Christ. All that so that's you a are. Yeah. Oh, it's a that's, beautiful that's, story. I'm so glad you shared that. Well, <laughs> and this brings up a really interesting piece because oftentimes when people step out of religion, it becomes a little bit, especially here in Utah, it is trendy to step into circles that are doing plant medicine. And, yeah. um, I love that you brought up that it was a plant sacrament because I remember listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with Brian. I cannot say his last name, but I'll put, I will put this in the show notes. That mer, 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 something mer, like that. Yeah, okay. I know who you're talking about. Uh-huh. And he wrote the book, the road to Ulysses. And for someone who's never done any kind of plant ceremonies, he was so called, it's really fascinating. I was really called to diving into how plant ceremonies and all this actually started. And he finds evidence that shows that ergot, which is in barley, which I think is actually in LSD, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was in the chalices back in Jesus's time and yeah. was very common to be used in different sacraments, if you will, or different worship services. And that in Ulysses, people would prepare their entire lives to go die before they died. Yeah. And so when you, when you do hold, there's no question in my mind that Joseph Smith was on plant medicine Yeah. several times in his prophetic things and experiences that he had. But I believe that you know, these were gifts to us in this earth of how to awaken more and more of our Christ at our God selves. And yep. when it's done in sacrament, when it's done with that honoring, that intention and that almost um, uh, surrender to what is possible. And I love that that shaman said to ask questions mm-hmm. and it gets to be a really beautiful experience, but it's coming back to the self. 
And I, because I yeah. find often that in those ceremonies that the people that are facilitating don't, don't always hold that space, that container. And, um, I guess, so this is my little plug that if you feel called to do a plant ceremony, be really intent, be really mindful with what your intention is and who you're stepping into that space with. If they're pointing you back to you all the time, that's a good, a good sign. If they're the ones that are telling you what you should believe and what you should think, go find someone else. Totally. Because all they're trying to be is propped up on a pedestal, which is the it's the foundation of what makes organized religion, I think, drift is that they, they don't teach you that the kingdom of God is inside of you. They don't, they, they don't highlight the message that you are the light of the world. They don't teach you the inner Christ. They teach you that someone is outside of you that, that is going to make you good enough on the inside. And Mm -hmm. so if you go to, if you follow that trend, I guess, to like go start doing these plant ceremonies, it's really easy to get these messages. And if you don't dive in and ask, then you don't get the full clear answer. Mm -hmm. And then you walk away from it. Just like I could have walked away from it thinking like, oh my gosh, like my ego could have absolutely grabbed that and been like, Hugh is the light of the world. And And while that would have been true, what I'm really saying would have been absolutely false, right? What I would have really been saying is uh, I'm more light than you are. And, and that's not true. That's that's just not true. I don't think that's true for anyone. So therefore I don't think it's true for Jesus either. I don't think Jesus was, was any more light. And that's not to take away his role of, good for him for stepping up and like really embodying the inner Christ and Mm -hmm. showing us what's possible. I do think that's what happened. Yeah, I would agree. And he had uh, a community that fully assisted him in like one of my favorite books is Anna grandmother of Jesus. And that book feels very clean and very true with how she channeled it, at least to me. Um, And one One of my favorite pieces is when they take him to, I think it's the great pyramid and they put him in that sarcophagus Mm -hmm. and he, it's another form of death and that he goes through and they are all seated at different positions within the pyramid doing intonations. And all those intonations would go into the sarcophagus. And I believe that Jesus was going through the different layers and levels of of deaths, so to speak, that we get to go to, to dying to the programs, to dying to the ego, to dying to the self, you know, forever ago, you sent me that meme or that thing that was something about the avatar. You know, I get to play this avatar as Amanda, but that's not my true oh, self. Yeah. You know, you remember yeah. that? Yeah. 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 And I, I, I can't tell you how many clients that I've worked with and um, even own personal experiences that I've had. There's so many of us that can go in and have remembering as if we were Jesus or Mary Magdalene. And I was, I was watching this Gaia show the other day and the speaker said to the audience, how many of you have had memories of lifetimes being Jesus? And I can't tell you how many people raised their hands or Mary Magdalene raised their hands. That's cool. So I love that you spoke to this of, if you didn't continue to ask the questions, you would have walked away thinking I'm the embodiment. I'm the resurrected, you know, whatever it is. I am Christ consciousness. 
Yep. And it's like, yes. And so is everyone else. And so is everyone else. Yeah. 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 Which, which is, I think that's the great message of oneness. Yeah. I would agree. And that's why when Jesus did it, then he showed us what was possible. And that's the case with anything in this life. Somebody goes and breaks a world world record for the fastest runner. And all of a sudden five other people can do it where nobody could before. Right. It's like you start breaking these barriers, these thresholds, and then it just goes, and that information is now planted into the earth because we are all connected. Yeah. And now this is possible. Yeah. So you mentioned something earlier is really interesting. It's something I've been um, working on for about three years now. And what I'm really trying to uh, get clear on is what, what is the atonement? Um, Right. And you, you and I both share the same belief and I got this belief a few years ago and it was a belief that was so against my my programming mm-hmm. like like the script that was running my programs that Jesus died for me and it just came to me so clear from my inner knowing I think what I, what would be easily defined as like the holy ghost or spiritual prompting I just kept getting really clear that Jesus didn't die for my sins. Mm-hmm. And that about like caused me to glitch because I was really, really bought in on this. And, and, um, and I think being bought in on it served me in the time that it served me. So I don't think people need to rush to believe something different. I think, I think they'll just come to that, that knowledge um, eventually, or maybe they don't. And that's still, I guess works for them and is what they want to do, but, but you have to get into first off the word atonement only shows up one time in the entire new Testament. Hmm, I didn't know that. And and it's written by Paul. And and so then we got to understand a little bit about Paul. And if you dive into most theologians believe that there are, uh, pretty strong contradictions between Paul's teachings and Jesus's teachings. Mm. And I think that's a very normal thing. I don't think, I I think it probably should be that way because Paul never met Jesus. Paul never worked with Jesus. And so Paul claims his authority from the vision that he had about Jesus when he's on the road to Damascus. And he then is proclaimed and I give you an example uh, Paul says from, from that time that he's told to go share these things that Jesus was sharing to the Gentiles. And uh, Jesus's teachings was to share them to the house of Israel, not the Gentiles. And so it's really interesting that those, those two narratives don't, don't align. Mm-hmm. And, and so we don't have Christianity if, how would you say that? Christianity exists because of Paul's <laughs> teachings, not Jesus's teachings. Because Jesus was put up on a cross and forever crucified. And I think Paul, this is the world according to Hugh. I think Paul feels bad about Paul. I think Paul's shaming Paul because Paul is a Jew who is persecuting and murdering Jews who believe Jesus is uh, embodying 
the inner Christ. Hmm. He's so committed that this is not a thing and that this guy is not the guy that if you believe in him, he's going to go beat you up and maybe kill you. And then uh, one day he's walking to Damascus. And as he's walking, uh, you know, the story goes that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus shows up and is like, Hey, stop doing that. Like stop killing people. Yeah. I don't know how you don't wrestle with, I don't know how Paul wrestles with his shame of how bad you must feel. Paul then it's very clear. He goes out to, uh, other congregations and they don't want to see him. They don't want to talk to him because he's the guy who's going to beat you up and possibly murder you. So mm-hmm. he's like struggling now with this new message that no one gives a crap that he has. And I, again, this is just me, me projecting my own shame challenges and my own uh, difficult things of not feeling enough onto Paul. I feel like that would be very, very difficult. And so I think that Paul needs a really good uh, sales presentation to explain to the people like, no, no, I'm different and I'm changed. And he's the one that comes up with this message that Jesus has died for you, for your sins. Hmm. Uh, Jesus doesn't ever say that. The, uh, the apostles, the disciples who worked with Jesus, never said that. And when you look at the current modern uh, teachings of the atonement, compared to all the other teachings that, are, that Christianity is teaching, they say that Jesus dying for you is the most important of all the principles and all the things to believe, believe that one thing. Right. But the only person that was really strongly promoting that and teaching that was Paul. So this is where we don't have, if we don't have Paul, we probably don't have Christianity. If we don't have Paul, we probably all still remain Jews. And just some of us believe that Jesus, Jesus came and embodied the inner Christ. And some of us are still like, nah, someone else is going to come to embody. Hang it. Edit, edit, edit. There you are. I'm like, dang it. We were right at a good point and you froze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's all good. Um, you were just talking about how it cut off about we would still be Jews and we would still be yeah. waiting for the embodiment. Yeah. So some of us would would believe that Jesus had embodied the, the inner Christ, which would be known as the inner Messiah. Mm-hmm. And then other people would say, uh, no, he didn't. And we're still waiting for that, that one to come and, and show up. Yeah. So Christianity and all these, these uh, narratives around Christianity that, that many of us are struggling and wrestling with right now 
those come from Paul, not Jesus or the other disciples. So there's, there's kind of two gospels that are being taught, like Paul's gospel and Jesus's gospel. Hmm. And, and of course, there's, there's a lot of good overlap over that. But a lot of people think it's more united than what it actually is. Like we think it's more seamless and aligned yeah. than what it actually is. I had never heard that before. So that's really interesting. Where does the law of sacraments start then? Because, you know, in, in Christianity and Mormonism, I mean, you're taking the sacrament in remembrance of the blood of the son and the body of the son. Yeah. And, you know, that's the last supper um, mm-hmm. that shows up. Some of the gospels mention the last supper, like John, John has 90% of his writings are very unique separate from what uh, the other gospels are saying. And John never mentions the last supper or the sacrament, which mm. maybe he just was like, Hey, the other guys have covered it. it. Even though that's not how it actually worked. Like when you start really diving in, and again, this can be really upsetting to a lot of people that are, are just in the verge of wrestling with their Christian programs. The first, the oldest uh, writings that we have come from Paul. And it happened approximately about 50 AD. So Mm -hmm. 50 years after his death is where we start seeing some of the first writings of the New Testament. And they're coming from a guy who never actually met or worked with Jesus Mm one-on-one. Fast forward a few more decades, and then you start seeing the other gospels showing up. So what that means is that Matthew didn't write the book of Matthew. Mark didn't write the book of Mark. There's even debate that Paul didn't write the letters that are attributed to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, it's, it's really interesting stuff because if you wrote a letter and I wrote a letter, people could read those letters and they could be like, this is not the same voice. Right. Like Hugh keeps using F words and this other letter that's over, over here, we don't know who wrote that one, but they never use any F words. And they, they, they write as if they graduated Oxford in, in the English department. Mm-hmm. And Hugh writes as if he like lives in a freaking barn. And, <laughs> and so that we can see these letters from Paul and they have two different voices to it, even though they're subscribed. And so it's like, hmm. That's interesting. And so it's just getting into the the historicity and what you have is you have people that are just trying to share this message. And this is the best way to share it because Instagram hasn't been invented yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it might get a little messy and how that gets, how that gets shared, but it becomes common enough to where people are like, Oh, that scroll that's written, uh, Mark wrote that one, but, but we know that Mark didn't actually write it. We know John didn't write it. So anyways, the last supper is where we get the sacrament. And uh, this is where Jesus is, you know, he's just saying like, hey, take of this, this, um, this bread to remind you of the body and of the inner Christ, right? And take this wine to remind you of the blood. And I think, I think that still has a lot of room for, mm-hmm inner Christ interpretations. Well, especially if it was on the eve before they knew what was going to happen, they knew what was Christ was walking into and the next phases that he was going to be doing in what he was here to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so the question becomes like, well, what was he there to do? Was he really there to die for my sins? And, you know, there's some gospels that are written out there that most theologians really appreciate the, the authenticity of it, the kind of the cleanliness of it. It hasn't been messed with as as much as some of the others. Um, That's the lost gospel of Thomas. It's the, um, the lost gospels of Peter and um, the lost writings of Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those writings actually uh, really, when you dive into inner Christ, those are really good gospels to go read because it's easier to get the inner Christ message. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Mary says in all three versions of the gospels that we have from her in the three different languages, Mary says that her and John are uh, talking to Jesus. And John asks this question to Jesus and says, what's the greatest sin in the world? And uh, Jesus replies back to John and Mary, and he says, there is no such thing as sin. And so if that's true, then why would Jesus die for something he didn't believe in? Mm-hmm. So then you have to say, well, what, what would sin be? And my interpretation of sin is anything that teaches that you are less than and not enough. So anything that promotes or promulgates personal shame is sin. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's because I think that at the core misses the mark of your entire human experience. Yeah. I also uh, take that definition and I derive that that interpretation from Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, which is Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. And he's gone through the Beatitudes. And then he's saying, okay, now that you're understanding kind of like what this, what the results of embodying your inner Christ looks like and, and how that's going to show up in your life. Now I'm going to teach you some more things. But before I can teach you more things, I got to teach you this one critical thing be whole, even as your heavenly parents are whole. Mm -hmm. And so I think from there, what he's really saying is um, there's nothing that you can do to take away from the fact that you are a God here having a human experience and you've done some things that maybe you are not pleased with, or you don't align with anymore. And you're beating yourself up with them. And so the beating yourself up and the ability to not forgive yourself is what's keeping you from tapping into the full potential of your light Mm -hmm. and who you really are. And so he's saying, don't do that, right? Be, be own your wholeness, Uh, realize that you are complete lacking, no parts. That, that's the Greek version of what he says in Matthew 5, 48. So that also implies that there's no such thing as a sin. Hmm. If sin is defined as something that shames you for not being enough. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean there aren't transgressions and it doesn't mean that there aren't things that really hurt people and that reconciliation needs to be made. Those things obviously really do exist. And you do have to reconcile with yourself when you've been abandoning yourself and abusing yourself and betraying yourself mm-hmm. and rejecting yourself. 
And when you do that, you will end up in relationships that will abandon you, reject you, abuse you, betray you. Mm -hmm. So that just becomes a mirror of how you treat yourself is how other people will then treat you. Even Stephen Covey talked about this. And, and so you've got to reconcile and that's what the Greek word for atonement actually means. Uh, It's reconciliation. So Paul's saying like Jesus died and then we can have reconciliation. So the question then becomes, well, what is real reconciliation? And reconciliation is that I have flaws and I can reconcile them. To reconcile means to be. So I have flaws and I can be with them without shaming myself. Or it means um, to be friendly again. So I was kind of an enemy to myself and the way that I treated myself was pretty, pretty shitty. And now I've reconciled with my past and I've reconciled with the amount of awareness that I had when I did the things that I am kind of ashamed and embarrassed of. I've reconciled that and I'm now friends with myself again. Mm-hmm. And then if you say it from that perspective, you could say, oh, well, now we could break down the word atonement at one meant and meant means mind. And so now that I've reconciled and I'm friends with with myself again, I am at one with myself in my own mind. Mm -hmm. And if I can get to that state, then I can be at one with you, regardless of the state that you're in. So is it possible then, because in my experience, some of the hardest places that I have ever been have created the most opportunity for light, even though they have been the most painful, whether it was something I created or something that was done to me. And then could it be possible then that Jesus and the bleeding of every poor was him actually going into every part of him that asked for reconciliation of the Mm -hmm. self? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's what I think was actually happening. And what is the thing that actually, that I actually need to do? I need to do that. And so how does Christ become my teacher or my mentor? or not Christ, but how does Jesus become my teacher or my mentor? Because Jesus and Christ are not, mm-hmm. they're not synonymous. Uh, even though he embodies the Christ, I think it's just important to be really clear in the communication. Like, what is Jesus actually doing? He's actually doing that, which I need to go do. But he did it for himself, showing that it is possible so that I could maybe follow down that way and go do that myself and then r- realize my own Christ. Mm-hmm. within me my own inner christ mm-hmm. this is also i mean this really implies a lot of things and i've had to <laughs> wrestle with this for a long time isaiah says uh when when jesus is going to be born and really the way that he's saying it is when this person who's going to be born who embodies the inner christ so deeply and so completely When he's born, he's going to be abandoned, abused, betrayed, and rejected. But then when you get into like healing traumas and why why you keep getting into relationships that you feel abandoned, abused, betrayed, and all of a sudden you realize, well, I'm the co-creator of these patterns that keep showing up in my life and I'm not a victim to them. Mm -hmm. 
So when they these types of relationships of abandonment and abuse and betrayal and rejection continue to show up, it's because you you don't think you have a role in that 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 relationship. You don't you you feel like you're a victim and you got screwed over. Well, then they keep showing up these re- types of relationships. So for Jesus to be an adult and to be abandoned, abused, betrayed, and rejected means that that is just a mirror to the relationship he was having first with himself. Mm-hmm. It implies that he was struggling with self-abandonment, self-rejection, self-abusing, uh, self-betraying. And no one ever looks at that because, you know, he's got to be flawless, which which I just is, don't. I don't I, buy yeah. into that. I've never yeah, bought just, into that. I can't buy into that narrative. If he's flawless, well, then he can't relate to me mm-hmm. or I can't relate to him either way. And so what I think is happening in the Garden of Gethsemane is Jesus is coming into that final depths of, of embodying and making peace with himself. And um, when asking those deep questions of the self to what you're saying if he continues to pull in people that are abusive, where am I abusing myself? Yes. And those are some of the hardest questions, especially when we have been a victim to different circumstances in our life, different partnerships. We'll just talk about that. Different partners that we attract that are abusive. And that is a real thing that happens to people. But then to turn that around and ask yourself, ask myself, where am I abusing myself? It is one of the hardest things to sit with. How am I creating this? Yeah, this um, this is Jacob's wrestle. If you remember uh, in the Old Testament, Jacob is wrestling with God and then he gets his hip dislocated. And uh, after Jacob's wrestle with God, he makes peace with God. And then he gets a new name and the, the new name is Israel. So Jacob's name becomes Israel. And the word Israel means uh, like he who wrestles with God or those who wrestle with God. So when you have the house of Israel or the people of Israel, what it's really saying is the people who wrestle with themselves in, in their wounds and why they're self-abandoning and what their role was. This is what God's people actually do because they're wrestling with the God within themselves and the devil within themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I think the story is metaphorical. I don't think literally uh, God comes down and wrestles with a human because clearly if gods are so powerful, that's not even a match. He's just mm-hmm. going to whip his ass and it's no wonder he dislocated his hip, right? It's like he, sh- right. he should have done worse than that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe God's just not a good wrestler. I don't know. Maybe Jacob's like super good at wrestling. <laughs> but when you break it down metaphorically, if if Jacob all of a sudden is coming to a chapter in his life where he's like, oh my gosh, I'm the light of the world too. Oh my gosh. Uh, there's no such thing as, as a sin that makes me not enough and, and just, and to shame myself and to debase myself. That's not a thing. He's going to wrestle with himself so greatly to your point. It's such a, a painful thing to, to, to face and feel that it will feel like your hip is, is being dislocated, which is your most fortified uh, joint in the body, yeah. right? It's your most powerful, everything happens from the hips. And, and so it's just saying, that's how difficult that wrestle is going to be. Mm-hmm. And 
and Christ had the wrestle too. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's that difficult. Hmm. At least it's been that difficult for me. There's times that I like tap out. I, I just like, I just hit timeout. I'm like, nope, I can't wrestle with this anymore. I'm good with my shit. <laughs> it's easier for right now. Cause we're human yeah. and we get to do that. It's like, everything's yep. a choice today. Yep. I'm choosing to be human and wallow in my misery and be here and do whatever the hell I want. And then tomorrow, maybe I'll look at it. Totally. totally. That's, that's we exactly. do. We often forget that we are human to have a human experience. There's a reason we chosen with this physical body. There's, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but yeah, we do get to give ourselves grace and permission to move at our own pace and recognize that we do have choice in all things. And so one day you may feel like you're getting all this information and it's beautiful and lovely. And the next day you may, you may feel like shit and are yeah. done. And you're done with this life. Yeah, it's true. It's like, how did I end up in this crappy relationship that abandoned me? I feel abandoned or I feel abused. Well, either you're a victim or you're a co-creator. And if you're a co-creator, well, then you have to realize that you chose into those patterns, Mm -hmm. uh, that you chose into those beliefs, those shame-based beliefs about you. And Mm -hmm. they may have been so programmed, you were not even fully aware that you were choosing into it, but you still you still chose into it. It's still you. And that's really, really hard. Like the most hard moment for me to realize is like, oh, this is all showing up and it's so much pain and I've got so much uh, conflict with it. It's creating suffering in me and it's because I'm choosing it. Yeah. And there was a time that uh, if you would have said that to Hugh, four or five years ago, I would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? You, you are retarded. <laughs> I just wouldn't have even understood what was being said. And I think that's part of the uh, awakening process is, is coming one, to that. One step at a time. Yeah. Thank goodness. Sure. So we don't blow our circuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, I would love to have you back on. So we'll have to talk about We'll have to talk about that some more, but you have started a TikTok channel. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm going, (laughs) and this is just starting. So if you're listening, go follow Hugh. What is the name? What is your name on TikTok? Um, well, the name on it is you can change your name. And right now the, the, the name on it is cowboy Jesus. Oh, good. So you did do that. I love it. Yeah. Cause that's what everyone says. Cause I geek out and you know, you provide this beautiful platform for me to like express these things where I don't really get to express in my hide and notebooks and, you know, and, and, but then when I go out on the adventure rides and we do our retreats and we do all this stuff, this stuff naturally comes out. And a lot of people really resonate with it. So then they say, well, where could I get more of it? And I don't have a place to put it. So I decided I would put these types of thoughts on TikTok and everyone refers to when I, they just call me cowboy Jesus, which is embarrassing, but it is not embarrassing. I love it. I think it's going to totally take off. So I'm going to make sure and put it in the show notes. Do you have any retreats coming up? Um, we do. We have uh, one coming up in middle of August from the 11th to the 14th. That's a Thursday okay. to a Sunday. And then uh, I've got an event called 100 Women, mm-hmm. um, basically to teach sovereign wholeness. Um, 
and what that really is so that they can have these sovereign, healthy partnerships. And um, that's in September. And then we have retreats in October as well. Awesome. I'll make sure and put all these, I'll link them in the show notes so people can go, go snag it and go follow you on TikTok and Yeah. And mustangmedicineevents.com Perfect. is like where you can see the whole schedule of what's coming up. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Hugh. I I always love our conversation. So thank you for saying yes to being, not just having a conversation with me, but to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll make sure and put that in the show notes. Make sure and go follow Hugh. Thanks, Hugh. Okay. Thank you. I'm hoping that I can talk you into being on the podcast fairly regularly. And I, I'm betting he will. And it's always so fascinating having these conversations. And I'm sure that you enjoyed it as well. In fact, if you are enjoying this podcast, please head over to Apple and leave me a five star review. That would help me so much to just get this out there. And I'm seeing more by others who are really needing that place of just feeling like they can be held and have some of these thoughts that are discussed and, and tools to really utilize in our lives. And as Hugh mentioned, we I will post it in the show notes below, but you can have, head over to his website, mustangmedicine.com forward slash events, I believe was the link. I'll share it down below. And then go follow him on his Twitter account at Cowboy Jesus to see what he's going to start sharing there. I'm really excited to see how he grows that account. This will be super fun. And then again, just a reminder, if you're looking for more tools, I have created this really beautiful meditation, guided meditation journey series that will assist you in unwinding. So as we're talking about these programs through this this episode and talking about those places that we get to identify, hey, this is actually an old, old program that I'm holding on to. This guided, these guided meditations that I created are holy. They're the whole reason why I created it was to assist you in unwinding those parts within you. So if it's of interest to you, head over, head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash leaving religion tools. That is amandajoyloveland.com forward slash leaving religion tools. And then again, if you are feeling the call to step into a beautiful experience, come join us for the in-body experience, September 22nd through 25th. Not only will we be having different experiences, learning different tools, you'll have somatic experiences to where when you walk out, you are changed and you have more access to the embodiment of all that you are. But we will also be sending you home with a 21 to 28 day aftercare kind of program to where you can do this on your own time. You can go, it's different practices and different tools to really continue the embodiment piece. Cause often we go into the retreat spaces and we go home and it's kind of a, now what I had all this amazing experience, these things that I've learned, but I don't know how to integrate it into my daily life. We have tools that will assist you in embodying it after this experience together. Not only that, but we will be spending three weeks together on zoom calls, three different zoom calls to also continue to help you in your embodiment. So head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash inbody, I-N-B-O-D-Y and secure your spot today. And as always, sending you so much love in your journey today. Give yourself grace and have the courage to continue to lean into those places within you that are asking to be seen. You are not alone, my friend, and we are all in this together. So I hope today in this moment right now, smile, 
smile for three seconds, five seconds, and acknowledge the beauty that you are and the light as Hugh shared, the light that you are. Sending you all so much love.